Welcome to Time for Change with Dr. Michelle, where we bring inspiring real-life stories of success and transformation, tips and tools to turn your life around no matter where you are at. I'm your host, Michelle Rosen. Welcome, welcome everyone to episode one of my new podcast, Time for Change, where we talk about change and transformation and the power to turn our lives around. Today, we will discuss the power of asking option generating questions and what those questions are, what type of simple but very powerful questions we can ask ourselves in order to get ourselves unstuck. We have David Trotter with us. He's amazing. And I can't wait for you to join me today. I'm your host, Michelle Rosen. So I have here with us, David Trotter, who is the host of Inspiration Rising, which is a podcast dedicated to inspiring women. So fascinating to change their circumstances, get themselves unstuck. And I understand that you've been getting people unstuck for the past 25 years. So I'm all about that. And I can't wait to hear about it. Tell me all about what you do and how you got to doing what you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, first of all, it's great to meet you. So thanks so much for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Yeah, it is a little interesting. It's different for a male to be doing a podcast for women. But you know, I have been helping people for 25 years, get unstuck, clarify their goals, take their life to the next level in a lot of different ways. I actually was a pastor for over a decade. And um, then over the last 10, 15 years, I have helped marketing clients, as well as been a filmmaker. So I'm kind of a renaissance guy. I've got my hands in a lot of different things. For me, it's if I got stuck in one thing for a long time, I, I would get bored. So one of the things that I realize in all of those seasons of life is that for whatever reason, women tended to be more drawn to my message and the things that I was concerned about or the things that were important to me. And so when we started the podcast in early 2019, you know, we need to pick a target audience to go, who is this for and who would this be helpful for? And for me, it was just a no brainer to go, man, I have uh, an affinity and a care for helping women who are already doing great things to help expose them to other women who are inspiring. As you know, in our culture, we're wrestling with issues of equality and issues of white male domination and leadership yeah. and all of those things. Yes, I am a white middle-aged male, but I can't change that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so it's been a, a, an incredible journey interviewing women and helping other women be exposed to really inspiring female leaders. So it's, yeah, it's really powerful. I'm so, so fascinated by this topic because it always interests me. Why do some people, and it's hard to isolate the reasons, but why in some situations or some people get more stuck than others? What are the things that you are seeing through your interviews with people that would characterize a stuck situation? Yeah, well, most of the people that I connect with who are stuck are not people that I interview on the podcast, but people right. that are that I coach and that I've connected with throughout the last 25 years. Usually it's because we get into habits, right? Mm. We are creatures of habit. Yes. We, we're trying to eliminate possibilities in our life because otherwise 
we would be overwhelmed. Right. I have a friend who is from India. I've done a lot of humanitarian work from in India, mm -hmm. and uh, he'll come over and visit. And the first time he walks into a grocery store, he sees the lineup of toothpaste. Right now, for right. you and I, we walk down the toothpaste aisle, and it's like, okay, well, here's toothpaste, and we pick right. the one that we want. Right. His mind is blown because <laughs> there's like two options for toothpaste right. where he's right. at it. Well, for him, all those possibilities are overwhelming. Right. For us, they're not overwhelming because we've eliminated all those possibilities. Right. And we're a creature of habit, and we have the same toothpaste every time we go to the grocery store. Right. That's the same thing in life. We have all these possibilities, but we have over time through our homes of origin, our culture, our own personality, our own things that we like and don't like, we've eliminated all those possibilities. We've chosen the thing that has worked for us in the past or we've thought has worked for us. And now we've become a creature of habit. Now, once that happens and we've eliminated all those other possibilities, if that thing that we've chosen isn't working for us anymore, whether that thing is our job, whether it's a way of eating the way of moving our body, the way that we dress, all of a sudden we're stuck. And, right. and we've eliminated all the previous possibilities and we don't even see them anymore. Right. Because we're now a creature of habit. So interesting. So basically what you're saying that this is all about changing our habits. And when people get stuck, they basically get stuck because they may feel overwhelmed because we live in a culture, we live in a society, we live in a time in history where there are so many possibilities, so many choices. So if you compare that to life, let's say 200, 300 years ago, people didn't have that much choice, that many possibilities to choose from. And so we get overwhelmed. So what have you seen working for people in terms of changing habits that do not work for them into those habits that push them forward? Well, for me, the, the power is in asking ourselves questions and helping people know that questions are accessible to them. Right. You know, when I start to ask somebody questions like, well, what if there was another option? What if right. there was another possibility? Well, there are no other possibilities, David. Like that, this is just the only way I'm stuck, you know, like this right. is how it's always been. This is how it's always going to be. I'm always going to feel this way. I'm always going to be stuck in this job. I'm never going to be able to get out of this situation. My husband or wife is always going to be, you know, acting this way. I can't respond. I can't change my feelings. All of those things. I, I oftentimes will tell them the story of, you know, my son, he's now 16, but people that have little kids will totally understand your kids ask you tons of questions, right? And, oh my gosh, we just get sick of the questions. But his favorite question when he was little was, what if? And so right. he would say, uh, we would get stuck in traffic. And he, from the backseat, go, daddy, what if our car could like fly and like go over all this traffic and we just like instantly land on the roof of the place that we're going, you know? I'm yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, or <laughs> what if we're, what if we're hungry and it could just, you know, we could say the name of our favorite food. And so for him, his, the possibilities had not been eliminated in his mind yet. And so that question of what if is so powerful. Right. I know that I'll see a lot of people kind of poo-pooing the question, what if, because you use the context of what if in the past and people right. will say, well, what if I would have chosen a different major or chosen a different husband or whatever? But I like to ask the question, what if, as I look toward the future? Beautiful. So what if this situation could be different? Or what if even in this scenario, I could make a different choice? And when I start asking people that what if, 
it opens up the possibilities. They start to get from, I almost see people's bodies kind of looking downward, you know, the heads down, the, you know, it's feeling stuck and their, their bodies even just like physically open up to the possibilities when you start asking that question, what if? I love that because you're basically saying, let's put away the option of what if as a regret question and take it into a possibilities generating future oriented question that will really shift few people from thinking in terms of this or that black or white number one or number two options into a more diverse plethora of options, things that they can do that they're not even thinking about. And so Tell me about a case or uh, someone that you've encountered that asked the question, what if, and what happened to them as a result? You know, a lot of the women that I work with, they're having children that are going off to school. Either it's a transition to middle school, because now those women have a lot more time on their hands if they're staying at home, or if they're a primary caregiver, or the big one is when their child is getting ready to go off to college. Yeah. And that child going off to college, my daughter, she's entering her junior year of, of college. And that transition from that child going to college can feel so overwhelming as a parent, because you're trying to figure out how do I guide them and help them? And at the same time, not force my own thoughts and beliefs, you know, on them. So, so challenging. Yeah. And some parents, I was just talking to uh, someone yesterday, who they have really been focused on helping their son get into the best school possible. Right. The challenge is their son in their junior year got like several C's. Yeah. And now it was, hey, we need to get him into SAT classes twice a week. We need to get him into an essay writing coach throughout the summer. We need to meet with a college entry, you know, coach, all of these things. And the son is just absolutely resentful, angry, yeah. upset, disconnected. And so I started to ask this mom, well, what if there was a different option? You know, what if there was an option other than the top college? First of all, I asked, what, what's the minimum college, you know, that you would be excited about? Well, I'm not quite sure. Well, what if they, what if your son had an opinion? What if they wanted something that you maybe haven't even asked them about? And so those what, well, I've asked and he's just not, he just won't tell me. I go, well, what if he would be willing to talk to somebody else about that? Because maybe he feels stuck talking to you about that. Yeah. What if that, oh my goodness, what if, right? She no. didn't think about that option. And so I love how you asked that because not only that you've generated options, but you also put it in a very non-judgmental way. The question, what if? Now I see another aspect of it where it's not only option generating, it's also very non-judgmental because it creates a brainstorming atmosphere. And I love that. So then what happens? Well, all of a sudden she felt from feeling depressed and overwhelmed to feeling empowered. You know, she literally yes. said, David, I just feel so empowered now. Wow. I can have this conversation with him. Right. You know, when things cool down. Because she's really proactive, type A driven. She's like, okay, I'm going to research somebody who's a career coach. That can be, I go, well, you know, he may feel like that's just another person that you're asking him to meet with. You know, maybe let's just see if it germinates. You've got time. You know, yeah. what if over the next couple of weeks, you know, there were just some 
easy conversations, you know, right. back, back to the what if opening up possibilities. Right. Uh, because in her mind, there was one possibility, it was provide all the possible resources, especially parents who have the financial wherewithal to be able to provide all of those coaches and you know, classes, and all of a sudden, the kid can just really feel overwhelmed. So anyway, that's just one option, you know, of course, of course. And this is such an interesting question. I'm wondering if there was another leading question, because you're talking a lot about the importance of asking questions. And I can see how that goes hand in hand with our times. So if in the past, let's take a few hundred years back, people didn't have it, not even a few hundreds, I would say a few decades, even people didn't have that many choices with the choices, the questions and the ability to ask questions has to develop as well. So with change, and with our desire and need to change our habits, we need to ask ourselves questions, which is very interesting, because that's not something that was in our human DNA as much as much in the past. And so are there any other questions or any other leading question that you saw that people were utilizing in a very powerful way that created a transformation that led to a change? Yeah, well, I mean, for me, I ask myself questions all the time. I mean, as an interviewer, I love to ask other people questions. Yeah, but I ask myself questions. And these questions I have, you know, found get me going. And I ask them of other people. One is, you know, what do I want? Right. I asked that, like for even that mom, I asked her, well, what do you want? You know, Such because- a simple and powerful question. That's a, that's a mountain moving question. When people sometimes don't take the time to stop in the middle of life and struggling and whatever they're going through and just ask themselves, what do I want? And also ask the other person, even in situations of conflict and high tension, what do you want? What do I want? So powerful. Well, and she wasn't even clear yesterday, going back to that situation, what she wanted, you know, so sometimes, even when we can articulate what we want to someone else, then we kind of kind of realize either how kind of maybe ridiculous it sounds. Yeah, I want my son to go to this type of, okay, how does that sound to you? You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a lot of pressure. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. If I don't even realize what I want for myself or for other people, just to be able to articulate that. So that's a lot of different layers. Sometimes if I'm only following the path, a lot of my clients are still in the path at 30, 40, 50 years old of their parents or their home of origin. They've been in that path for so long that when I start to ask the question, okay, I'm getting a divorce or I got fired or let go or I resigned or whatever. Well, what do I want now? You know, I've been focused on what does somebody else want for so long? What do I want? And oftentimes that doesn't come quickly. You know, it requires some exploration and just some space to allow that to germinate. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm so fascinated by it because I feel that it's a skill that kids need to learn at an early age in order to uh, refocus themselves. Were there any situations, I'm curious, where you found questions to be unhelpful, basically creating a a negative effect in any way? Yeah. Well, I'll be honest. I will ask questions of my kids that are unhelpful. And my wife, who's a kindergarten teacher, who's very into positive conscious discipline, she'll catch me, you know, because I'll ask questions that are judgmental. Right. And, and those are the questions that are most, you know, harmful. Like, what were you thinking? (laughs) Yeah. Right. Why did you do that? Yeah. 
those that are limiting, that are judgmental questions, those are the questions that I think, and we can even ask those in nice ways that are still judgmental. Now, I can be with my own kids and I can ask a similar type of question to help open their eyes to possibilities. So the other day, I was giving my 16-year-old son the task of finding a new refrigerator for our family. Now, I know that sounds ridiculous. It sounds impressive, actually. But our ice maker quit working and the refrigerator is a little older. And so I don't want to get it fixed. And so I said, here's the budget. Here are the requirements. Go measure the area, right? And the reason why I'm doing that is because I'm wanting him to know how to go buy a refrigerator. Right. It, it sounds ridiculous. That's a basic life skill, you know? Aligns with a lot of other skills that are very well needed. So I think it's, it's a wonderful thing to do. Yeah. Well, he picked out really bad refrigerator options. <laughs> they were just horrible. Uh, and so I said, let's talk about the process of what you were thinking, you know, wonderful. in, in yeah. choosing this. Well, I just picked the first five that I saw. I go, yeah, but I, I asked you to pick the best five. Right. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. And then we started looking at the refrigerator and something was, you know, an issue here or there. I said, would you want that refrigerator for our home? No. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Well, then what would you want? Oh, well, I would want this and that. So, you know, there are lots of ways to phrase a question that can either be judgmental or that can be possibility producing. And I'll admit I can with especially those that are close to me, you know, tend to ask those questions that can come off a little judgmental and I have to refocus myself and go, okay, how does this, is this question limiting or is it possibility producing? So interesting. And, and I think the underlying topic that emerges from this is the topic of choice, where in habit creation, we live within the, the brain is an autopilot. So we have certain behaviors, we have certain habits, and we don't always make the conscious choice to make a different choice. And I think what the underlying theme here from the refrigerator story, which is an incredible an incredible thing to do with a teenage kid is to teach the power of choice. And how do you do the research? What questions do you ask? And this is why the power of questions is so incredible to make the right choice for you. So it starts from a refrigerator and it ends up with your relationship. Are you happy with your relationship and your job and your career and your path? And that's very important. How did you get to that? How did you get to the power of questions? What Do you remember the first time that you actually started asking questions more than you did before? Shifting yeah. from habits to questions? Yeah, well, for me, about 11 years ago, I transitioned out of full-time ministry as a Christian pastor. I actually had kind of a burnout. I was a workaholic, and I was really stuck in a pattern of trying to perform and, you know, grow this church larger. It was very successful. And in that process, I started to realize, wow, I'm an over-responsible person. Right. If you ask me to take responsibility for something, I'm going to make it happen. It's going to be beautiful. You're going to be impressed. The challenge is that I'm so responsible that after a lifetime of that, I just got sick of it. And I'm like, yeah. I'm tired of performing in that way. And I want to see, are there other possibilities? And so I needed to kind of relaunch my life and figure out a new path that would be more fulfilling for me. And that sounds weird because why did I go into being a pastor? And why do most people? Because you want to help people and be fulfilling. But right. yet there was something about that that was kind of limiting. One of the things that's limiting in that context is that for most church leaders, the focus is not on questions, it's on answers. Right. Right. 
So right. the, the answer is, well, it's found in the Bible, right? And it's right. limited to the Bible. Or the answer, I've got a parishioner who comes to me, I'm going to be seen as a source of that answer or providing a solution in some way. And obviously, I took that on as part of the culture of that. And I started to, as I transitioned out of that, ask, well, what are the other possibilities? Are there other ways of looking at life as a whole? Are there other ways of looking at the way that I'm just living and doing life? Uh, one a great example. I grew up with the most amazing parents always there for me. My mom's super loving. I'm an only child. And one of the things that I was taught as a, a kid was we don't buy white shorts. Okay. We don't buy white shorts and we don't buy clothes that uh, have to be dry cleaned. Okay. We're a pragmatic middle-class family, <laughs> right? We are not getting those, those shorts white. All yeah. right. Now she left out the pragmatic middle-class family, but that's what I picked up on, you know, now as an adult. Of course. And, and I started going, or, or even because my parents were very pragmatic, fashion or self-expression was not seen as highly valued. Right. Okay. So I started to say, well, what do I want? Hmm. What, do, what do I want to, do I want to wear white shorts? Because hmm. I'm going to get those white shorts. I'm going to get them as dirty as I want. And then I'm going to take them to go get dry clean. Why? <laughs> Why? Because I can. Yeah. Because that's an option for me. How old were you? Oh, that was 11 years ago. So I was 36. There you go. Right? Yeah. And that's after, you know, spending a decade being in full-time ministry. Well, that's, you know, some people have that transition earlier. Some people have that transition later. But that's a small, you know, microcosm of my mind and heart opening up to say, all right, what if life was less about answers and more about questions? Uh -huh. So even those two words, what if, I help people ask that in everyday life. I go, what would it look like to be conscious of, you can't be conscious of every decision you're making because you're making decisions by a moment by moment basis. But if you're making a decision of what you buy, where you go, what you eat, something at the grocery store, what you're going to do for entertainment, what if you ask yourself, what if there was another option rather than the default? And so when you slow down your questions, because our questions are happening so fast, the answers. If we slow down that process of answering that question and just insert what if, all of a sudden, then what if you chose a different option? What would it feel like? Incredible. What would, what would the you know experience be like? And all of a sudden, that starts to unlock the stuckness, even just the playfulness of, okay, I'm not going to go to that restaurant. I'm going to go to a different restaurant. It's going to provide me with different tastes, te sounds, textures, smells, you know, experiences. It's really unlocking. I think it's uh, fascinating how, and I'm going to go back to the refrigerator exercise that you did there with your son, how important it is to practice, even with young kids, asking questions and making choices, that the more skilled we are, the more open we are to asking questions and making conscious choices that are not on autopilot, the richer and more intent our life becomes because we make more conscious choices. Now, it may be sometimes a little tiring, a a little confusing, a little shaking of, you know, our, uh, because it's very convenient to be an autopilot. It requires a lot less effort, but I think it's a fascinating way. Asking questions is a fascinating way and probably the most efficient and powerful way to get ourselves unstuck. So this has been a fascinating discussion. David, thank you so much for joining me today. And I hope your son picked the best refrigerator <laughs> and keep asking questions. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thanks so much for having me. Thank you. 
In the podcast today, we have discussed the power of asking questions in order to generate options. The most powerful question that we have discussed with our guest today, David Trotter, is the question, what if? Use that question to generate options whenever you feel stuck. What if you weren't afraid? What if you change your career path or respond to your spouse differently? Stick with me for my next episode where I host Dr. Tracy Thomas to discuss taking yourself from a place of pain to a place of growth. And remember, change is constant. Growth is optional. It is in your hands.